From Alien by Alan Dean Foster A man with a gun may hunt a tiger during the day with some expectation of success. Turn out his light, put the man in the jungle at night, surround him with the unknown, and all his primitive fears return. Advantage to the tiger. This is Gothic. The Gothic Podcast is a horror and humor actual play audio drama. As such, it contains material, including our jokes, that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Good evening, sojourners, and welcome back to The Gothic Podcast where we find ourselves playing the alien RPG as our hunters find themselves in a book that is some sort of novelization. Perhaps a movie novelization? I don't know. And last time explored the stories of three sets of characters. We're going to continue on with those tonight, but first, let's say hi. Uh, everybody doing okay? Uh, Cass doing all right tonight? Uh, I'm Yo. okay. <laughs> Yo. Yeah, it's doing really good. I guess. Doing good, doing good. <laughs> well, I am too. So tonight we have uh, Sharon. Hey, hey, hello, it's me. I am Sharon. And Jesse. Hello again. I am back. <laughs> and Richard. Hey there, everybody. I'm back for another exciting episode. And they find themselves with characters that are, like I said, in three different places. One set is on a spaceship hurtling through the stars, having just awoken unexpectedly. Another set is on board a space station circling a gas giant where strange things are afoot. And the third finds themselves on a very unusual planet, a planet that looks like a filigreed Christmas ornament of some sort, if you see this Christmas ornament from space, one of multiple layers carved out by strange geological actions. And it is this final group that we're going to start with tonight as our characters, Dr. Laura, uh, played by Jesse, Ray, played by Sharon, and Wild Bill, played by Richard, uh, have found themselves trekking across a a seemingly barren wasteland uh, with a lot of rocky surfaces on this particular level as they see the bands of stone above them, some of them dripping water down in long streams of narrow waterfalls. Other areas they know are more highly vegetated or hotter or colder, but this one is more temperate, uh, but is pretty rocky and has a strange tree-like growth on it, at least what they thought were trees, and yet one became disturbed, and a creature 
lifted up off of it, showing itself to be a winged thing that, while perched on the tree, looked like a large frond or leaf. Well, Wild Bill shot this one at the uh, behest of the chief scientist, Dr. Wick, and that brought about the ire, or at least disturbed, several others, and those are now flocking toward our small group, which is composed of those three, plus the chief scientist, and two other marines attached to this group to keep them safe. So here in the Alien RPG, initiative is determined by drawing a card. So, first of all, let's get Ray a card. Yeah, me, Ray. I totally know how to draw cards. Oh, there we go. I totally got it. I complete. I completely know what I'm doing. Well, you are uh, the medic for this group, so I hope you have some idea. Go ahead, Dr. Laura, and... And then uh, Wild Bill. And then I get some cards, too. Okay. So, in Alien, in Initiative, it works in a certain way. I bet you're <laughs> going to tell us what way that is. I certainly am. I'm sure. Uh, and these go in order. So, the lower number goes first. Oh, okay. That's not me. All right. The creature that Wild Bill shot. How much damage did you do to that one with your. Pulse rifle, yes? Uh, yes, with my pulse rifle. Um, that is on the other sheet. Too many sheets. It does just two damage. It seems like damage is usually one or two. Yes. Yeah, it does two damage. And I had some armor, but I wasn't able to match. It actually uh, comes down. You, you hit it in the wings, and uh, it comes down to the ground only about uh, uh, 10 or 15 meters in front of you, and it raises itself up there on its one remaining wing, using it like a leg almost. And you see that the body of the thing is almost moth-like. It is a, a soft, furry thorax over a a harder chitinous shell and the wings themselves also appear to be slightly furred but appear to be also the the bones such as they are are pretty thick and and hardened and you hit one of those and snapped it and the thing has come down to the ground uh, but it starts moving toward you, and what you see as it does so is that also, unfortunately, moth-like, its mouth opens, and out of it lull not one, but three probusci. Probuscuses? Pro, probus... Probus. Probusci? Probuscus. Probusci? So, Sojourners, uh, you can certainly get onto our Twitter feed <laughs> and let us know how proboscis is supposed to be pronounced. But there's pluralized. Three Please three tell us what the plural of proboscis is. It proboscis or proboscis? That roll out from its mouth and then harden into almost spear-like solidity as it comes toward Wild Bill. So it's going towards Bill. I get to roll an attack against Wild Bill. With my base six die, 
And I get to roll my armor, is that correct? You get to roll uh, your armor to try to negate any of that. You are also rolling uh, one stress die because you all have never seen these aliens before. And they are horrifying and fluttering around everywhere. And someone is screaming, but nobody knows who. Maybe it's yourself. (laughs) Please save one for me, please. And I rolled no successes with my six base die. All right, I rolled two with my armor, so which really don't matter at this point. There you go. It actually gets up really close to you and tries to wrap its wings around you, but the broken one uh, doesn't latch on right. Uh, But the other one is around you, and you can feel the strength in it, that it can actually probably crush you a bit if it gets a really good hold with those wings, which means the others, which don't have a broken wing, um, are even more likely to. And even as you think this, Wild Bill... Is that me thinking it? That's you thinking it. That's the sound of me thinking it. One of the others that has broken away from the flock, drawn to the activity down here and to the mm, sub-audible cries of its injured companion goes for one of the other marine grunts. Let's see which one. It's going to go for Denver. So this one, uh, with its full functionality, flies down right at Denver. You all were back on the Wapiti for a long time, and you got to know some of these people. What's one of um, Denver's quirks? Uh, Denver's kind of a, he's the, he's a kind of a jerk. He's that typical macho guy, you know, a little, he enjoys the shooty shoot a little too much. Dude also does not trim his toenails like ever. Yeah, that's a problem. It's honestly really gross, man. The sandals in combat is also a problem, but we weren't going to talk about that. You know, as long as he doesn't wear them with socks anymore, that's all I ask. (laughs) One time, one time, that's all it was. That's, that's more than was necessary. (laughs) So Denver, he of the macho and the bad hygiene with his toenails, is rammed by one of these things. He can roll armor. So, uh, Wild Bill, he's under your nominal command here, so I'll let you roll for for him. He's got the so same armor as same you. Armor. I oh. have one success. Uh, well, that's one more than I got. Poor Denver. Wow, that's a lousy roll. Jeez. He is thrown backwards when this thing impacts with him, almost as if it it was a charging bull, and it just swooped down, coming in low, wings spread wide, rippling in the atmosphere here, and it just hits him with its head, and he he bends around, his body bends around the thing's head, and then is just flung backwards about 20 meters. That's no good. Wait, who was this? That's Denver. Denver, man. Denver takes one damage, and he also takes a critical injury. Let's find out what that critical injury is. Right. I noticed there was a table for critical injuries. Do you randomly roll them, or are they... What I do for this is I roll 2d6s using one of them as the tens spot, so we can generate oh. a number between 11 and 66. Gotcha. Well, let's hope it's not 66. 32. A crotch oh. hit. Ah. 
<laughs> it hits him right in the crotch. <laughs> he flies backwards. And so he takes um, one more uh, damage and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, is not getting up <laughs> at the moment. Although he is groaning quite loudly, but that has put him a bit out of the of the fight as this thing follows. It hit him and and in part like just knocked him backwards, but now it's uh, following up on that as it gets its uh, wings underneath it and starts flapping away. And you all, uh, those of you who had decided that you were going to acclimatize yourselves rather than wearing breathers, mm-hmm. you can smell something kind of musty on the air as if these things are shedding that kind of that kind of dust that moths have on their wings. Okay. Okay. Uh, so let's see. That's going to bring us to to Ray Tanaka, our medic. All right. Well, it sounds like it's the time for Ray to go over and do a first aid. So yes, yeah. You uh, you can go over to him and roll medical aid. Now, okay. uh, this is going to be a slow action. I and I also have one stress right from these creatures. Okay. <laughs> I got one success. What does that do for you? You apply medical roll, medical aid skills to them, and the roll succeeds. They get back on their feet. They recover health. Save a life. The most critical use of medical aid is saving the life of a fallen character who has suffered a critical injury. So it sounds like that. Uh, sure. So, I mean, I don't know that it's really... Yeah, so he's just in a lot of pain right now. Um, and and maybe a rupture, you see. And he is going, oh, man, like, man, I'm not going to be able to have no sex no more, man. Oh, God, what has it done? Oh, bro, you're going to be totally fine, man. And then you see his eyes go wide because the thing is still coming and it's like right behind you. Uh, well, in that case, I guess I will stand over him in a, like a protective stance, if that's a thing I can do. Uh, yeah, you can just do that. So next is going to be Wild Bill. Okay, so there are still a couple of these things flying around, correct? There are a bunch of them flying around. Four of them seem to have taken a particular interest in your little group. So after a moment of almost panic as, as these just absolutely bizarre creatures just flush out, you know, or Wild Bill wasn't quite that. First shot he took was really a, a panicked shot in, in many ways. So now he's had, you know, a moment to collect himself in that, for that training to kick in. So now he's going to pick one that's in flight, that's not near anybody else. I don't want to risk shooting anybody, obviously. And uh, he's going to try to take aim and fire his pulse rifle in a much more controlled manner this time. Nice. Don't forget to include your stress die. I got it. Uh, so I have two successes. Ah, lovely. No successes on my armor. All right. I am going to, um, just to make life simple for now, I will just add a damage to it and do three damage. To the same one that you shot before, or a different one? Uh, this is going to be a different one. This one is right there on top of you. Don't forget. It is still trying to wrap its wing around you. And yet, for your rifle, I think it has problems if you are at engaged range. Well, and maybe that's why I picked one that's a little further away, trying to you know take the heat off of everybody else first. Yeah, I'm willing to make this cinematic as you wrestle your way out of the grip of this one, kind of raise your weapon up and fire 
at uh, at another one and that three is enough to bring that one also down to the ground so the other ones that's closer that seem to be uh engaging us more don't want to stir up any trouble on anyone's further away hopefully okay doing anything else uh no i want to save it in case i need to be more defensive denver is over there howling oh oh, it's, oh good lord it's it's coming and he tries to roll out from underneath uh, the dock there, uh, Ray. And he does not succeed. He gets all wound up in your legs. Oh no! And, and you're like dancing over him. Uh, you're not. You're not getting so to where you're going to fall over or anything. But this guy is obviously panicking a little bit and not really. You know, he's wanting to try to get up, but he's having a hard time because of the pain and because of being youth standing right there over him. Right. Right. He is doing that. The other one, the other Marine under Wild Bill's ostensible command here, Markham. Uh, Markham, he also takes aim and fires up, but he shoots up at the uh, up at the main flock, and he also brings one down. But it's quite a ways away, still flopping around on the ground. Uh, but uh, uh, and what you see actually is um, several of the other flyers um, head down after that one. Hmm. Okay, next is Dr. Laura. Yes, Dr. Laura is going to uh, draw her service pistol. Um, that is a fast action. And um, going to make a ranged attack at uh, what is closest. Probably the closest at this point are the uh, ones on the ground. You have one that's on Wild Bill and one that's uh, over actually heading toward, but not quite there yet, uh, toward uh, Ray and Denver. And then there are a couple more that you, that are within range, but they aren't the ones that are like right in your midst. They're, they're heading down, but it's not clear what their targets are yet. Um, yes, as long as it would be in a medium range, I'd probably fire at the one going for Denver and Ray. All right. Should I make my attack roll? Um, Not there. <laughs> well, me and Denver would sure appreciate it. While Bill, um, when you were wrestling yours around, that, that one that was uh, headed for Denver and Ray is the one you shot. It hits the ground and rolls once, then comes up, still heading for those two. Then um, Dr. Laura uh, pulls her pistol and aims toward it and fires. I think I got the dice right. Amount on this one as well. You should have one stress die. Do. Uh, one success. All right. I mean, yes, I have uh, one success. Uh, their armor is not enough to beat that back. And so uh, how much damage does your pistol do? One damage. Okay. That's a good shot. And that uh, would be Dr. Laura's turn. Next is one of them. This next one... Um, which was heading down, uh, it, all these gunshots and yelling and such, it sweeps its wings, uh, in a, a heavy gusting burst and then flies away back toward the rest of the pack or flock, the rest of the flock. Run away, run away, (laughs) run away. Yeah, that's right. You better run. Another one is too close. To Markham, it just swoops down at his legs, and it 
just tries, it just like sweeps underneath him and gets one success. Uh, Wild Bill, would you be so kind as to roll armor for Mark? Sure. Man, I'm terrible at their armor rolls. I got no successes again. So Markham, he takes two two damage from this as as this thing's uh the bones that are in the wings are serrated and it just like rips through his legs. He actually automatically takes critical injury number thirty five. Mm. Busted kneecap. Oh, and he goes down, and this thing just swoops like underneath him, and then it it uh, heads back into the air and back toward its companions. Then the one that is still wrestling with uh, Wild Bill, it also breaks away and tries to stagger off following its companions. Of course, it is in engaged range, and uh, you have a fast action left. I do. I think you get a reaction on this. Sojourners will get better at this as the season goes along. <laughs> yeah, I believe you, but I don't. I'm looking here. Ah, it must roll its mobility. And if it fails, it still moves away ah. from you. But you get an unblockable close combat attack. So you could like hit it with the butt of your gun mm -hmm. or something like that. Okay. So it's, so it's going to roll mobility. Drop kick it. It does not get any successes because it's injured, so it's lost some of its uh, mobility die. So you can have a, a close combat attack. Because this thing's kind of half on the ground, right? Yeah. All right, then I'm just going to go for a big old boot stomp with this thing and uh, see if I can't just squish it. Uh, I have one success. It cannot block that. Does have some armor. No successes. You deal your unarmed combat damage to it. Uh, which is just one. And it continues trying to lurch away. Then it's the one that uh, has been taking some pretty good hits as uh, it goes after Denver and um, Ray Tanaka. Oh, I am po I'm rolling poorly tonight. It uh, <laughs> it takes its, its wing spines and... Uh, tries to, like, snap them down in such a way, Ray, that it would catch your shoulders on either side and, like, just take you down to the ground and pin you there. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it does not gain any, any success in that, and you're able to, like, just sort of lurch backwards and, and away from it. But it's right there in your face now. It's, you can see it. It's, it's not quite the, the main bulk of the body is not quite as big as a human. Uh, it's perhaps only about half of that, mm -hmm. uh, but with the wings and the way that those are segmented and being used here in this case, like legs or like weapons, uh, it seems to have much more mass than it actually does. So that takes us to Ray. Can I try to tackle it, wrestle it to the ground? I'm sure that's a stunt that you have to get enough hits for when you do close combat. Okay. So, all right. So I basically would be doing a close combat roll, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Eh, no successes, but no failures either, so. You try to grab a hold of it, but uh, <laughs> it's just, I mean, there's nothing. You grab a hold of wings and the, the fleshy parts of it just tear underneath <laughs> your hands. 
and you don't get a hold of anything. Me and this thing are just having a slappy fight with each other. Yes. It was a slow action. Uh, okay. You have reset. Right. Everybody gets one slow and one fast or two fast. I guess I will just say I'm going to I'm going to have a block ready as my fast action the next time something tries to hit me. Yeah, you don't have to even set it up. You just keep your oh. fast action. Gotcha. Okay. Wild Bill. Back to me already. Um so there is still one that seems to be engaging, correct? Yes. All right, so I'm going to take my fast action to aim, which gives me two extra dice. And I'm going to see if I can't shoot it with my pulse rifle. I got you, you little flying son of a gun. And, oh, goodness, that's a very good roll. That is four successes. <laughs> oh, wow. cheesy, crazy. No, Bill, don't kill it. Uh, yep, that's um, nothing on the armor. So I am actually going to, uh, I'll use the knockdown. Hmm. And then an enemy down. There's no point to make them drop a weapon because they don't have a, a weapon. <laughs> His spines fall off. <laughs> so let's go ahead and I want to um, I want to spend my extra dice not to just do more damage, but I want to have targeted the wings. My intention is to not kill it, but make sure it can't fly. Cripple it. Okay. All right. It's not really in the rules, but you could count that as pinning, right? I'm. I'm willing to go there, and I'm also willing for you to do this just like, just laying into it with shots and just like shooting the wings off. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you like this to look like? You know, Wild Bill, like I said, he's collected himself a little bit, uh, had his training kicked back in, but as that happens, so does a little bit of his cockiness. So, uh, you know, if the, he settles in for the initial panic, now as he's doing these little controlled shots, is he starts uh, getting a little aggressive with it. Yeah, I got you now. Uh -huh, you're mine. I got you. I got you. Take that. Take that. And shoots the wings off of that one down on the ground. And then, um, you know, immediately takes the rifle and puts it back facing the barrel upward in a, in a hold position uh, just to make it look really cool. It doesn't actually do anything other than his stance looks pretty awesome <laughs> at that point in time as he's very proud of his shooting ability for these moth-like crazy creatures that he's never seen before <laughs> just hits that pose so hard he does <laughs> this thing goes down and it's bleeding pretty badly uh the wings shot off now it's just sort of a a worm like a larva like thing uh writhing on the ground trying to pull itself forward with its probusci it more or less just squirms there as uh, Dr. Wick comes over and says, Excellent, excellent. Uh, collect it up. It doesn't look like those others are going to uh, come this way. They are they are occupied with their brethren or whatever that are injured. Um, so quickly, quickly. And we will fade from this scene as you all work toward collecting this specimen and as. Denver's cries of pain go uh, continue to echo, going, I'm never going to have the kids. <laughs> Let's go to the Pescado Malo, a salvage vessel flying its route through the stars, now far away from anything, just that sea of sparking stars out there all around, not a planet in sight. But there in the cockpit, there on the bridge is Bosco sitting in one of the comfy chairs, looking at the lights, 
and noticing one of the radar systems, not really radar, but one of the long-distance sensor systems, is picking up a ping. Ping, it says. Ping, as it sweeps around again. And the marker on it is, after typing in a few commands into the system, Bosco, uh, you can identify this as a beacon from a uh, an emergency cryo chamber. Uh, before he does that, Bosco's actually going to go to like the little display where it's showing the ping and gives it a good couple whacks on the side just to make sure it doesn't go away. It does for a moment, and you feel pretty happy about that. But then, ping, ping. Oh, oh hell. Uh, then the uh, captain's voice comes across the intercom and goes, Bosco, what you got up there? Hey, boss, it, uh, I get, I'm getting a signal. Looks like a, it says it's a, a beacon from a, an old cryo tube or something. I don't know what in the heck it's doing out here, but, uh, it's right here on the little flashy screen. All right. Um, what's our trajectory look like in relation to that? That's a real good question. I'll get right back with you on that. Um, <laughs> while Bosco takes a look at a few things to, to figure out, hey, actually, what is our trajectory? towards that thing. It is, uh, you're headed right for it. So after uh, far more work than it should have required for him to figure that out, he gets back on the intercom and says, yeah, uh, you're not going to believe this, but we're, we're headed right for it. What a, what a coincidence, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a pause on the other hand, and then, yeah, Bosco, yeah, I guess it is. And back in uh -oh. the... <laughs> Back in the medical bay, the captain turns to the rest of you and goes, Well, I guess you heard that. We're uh, uh, going to have to go pick that up, of course. Uh, I'm going to need to um, have a few moments with uh, the computer, so uh, see what's going on here. And uh, just double-check our protocols under this situation. But pretty sure those protocols say we have to, uh, we have to go investigate that. Uh, Doc, you need to get the uh, systems here set up in case uh, we have a uh, have any survivors out there. Uh, also, you know, make sure Javier's uh, in good shape uh, too. Um, patience, sir. Yeah, uh, better give uh, better give the engines a, a look over. Uh, I don't want to have any big surprises in case something went wrong. Already on it. I take off. And, uh, yeah, Lars? Uh, uh, sir, I can uh, help uh, uh, carry ha Javier to med bay. We're in the med bay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's in the, in the med, med bay. bay. Oh, that's in the med bay. <laughs> uh, this is in character. <laughs> <laughs> Do I, I need to make room in the, in the cargo hold, sir? That's a good idea, Lars. Uh, yeah, you go do that. Uh, if you need any help, uh, I'm going to go up to the... Uh, uh, yeah, I'll be heading up to uh, talk to the computer, and then I'm going to go up to the uh, bridge and take over from uh, Bosco. So I'll send him back to give you a hand. Thank you, sir. Uh, the captain heads off. So you all go about your duties, and uh, time uh, passes. Bosco, you 
It looks like as as far as uh, you can tell, it's only going to be a uh, an hour or two to get to the coordinates of this emergency signal. In about 10 minutes, the captain comes up into the bridge and says, "Yeah, Bosco, uh you go on back down to the cargo hold and uh and help out uh, Lars. Uh, he's clearing out some space for uh, picking up this uh, this uh, chamber. Uh, I'll get back with y'all more later. As a big 10-4 boss, I'll leave it with you. Bosco hops up out of the comfy chair and skedaddles his way on out of the bridge and goes look for Lars. So you pass down through the bulk of the ship heading for the cargo bay. And the pipes are hissing, almost a comforting sound, because you know that when they're hissing in the right way, that all is well with the ship. (laughs) And although you don't necessarily know it as well as uh, the uh, engineer, the chief engineer, Patience, uh, you know the, the breathing of the ship, the sounds of the ship. You pass by the med bay where... Uh, activity is still happening as the dock is uh, getting Javier more or less back on his feet. And you get back and and work your way down a ladder well down to the cargo hold. It's a, uh, these shafts are narrow and the ladders that lead down to them uh, just follow right along inside of these tubes. Uh, but once you get down there, yeah, you, you can start helping move around crates and things. Now, back in the engine room, it's all grease and steam and sound clanging and roaring of the dragon's heart that is the soul of the ship. What's, um, do you normally hang out back here, Patience? Yeah, if it's like cramped and there's moving machinery and kind of awkward crawl spaces and uh, the kind of place where people wouldn't want to hang out. I'd say this is probably where patients spend their downtime, what they have, because they're not super gregarious and would prefer to be isolated and have their activities kind of masked by the, you know, their private time masked by the, uh, um, the sound and the movement and stuff. So I'd say this is a very familiar setting. <laughs> Yes, this is a very uh, it's a it's a maze of machinery back here. Lots of narrow ways, not really passages, but there's pipes and tubes and uh, bulky machinery everywhere, and it creates this maze of passageways that are on multiple levels. Even you sometimes have to clamber up and move along a catwalk to get from one section to another, and then you drop down into um, sections that just sort of writhe around in labyrinthine patterns. Do you have a a, a sort of a place back here that's uh, yours where you nest? Yeah, yeah, there's a little spot I got that's probably up on one of the catwalks. There's a dead end that overlooks uh, one of these big kind of moving parts and uh, it's one of like the more slower moving, like big elbows that's kind of chugging around in a circle, doing like gearbox types of things. And um, and it's a dead end, uh, this catwalk, because it just, just overlooks this one piece of machinery. And so I've got kind of a little collection of stuff that's important to me back there. 
Okay, what what's one of those items? Uh, I've got a shelf that's got several um, music boxes up there and little tiny tools and little tiny magnifying lenses uh, and little tiny clamps and pliers and things to work on my music boxes. Uh, all seems well with the engines, uh, much like uh, much like Bosco moving down through the center, more occupied part of the ship. Uh, he could tell just by the sound that, that all was well. You knew even before you came down here the same thing, but now you can pinpoint any smaller problems there may be. You can look for the lights that indicate that something needs to be greased, something needs to be oiled, something needs mm-hmm. to be switched over, something needs to be replaced. There's nothing that is going to affect the operation of the ship. I mean, this thing is meant to travel through deep space for long periods of time without needs for right. repairs as you all are in cryosleep and to wake you up if there's anything serious. But of course, right. things happen sometimes. But this is all working as it's supposed to. So what do you do? Well, you know, once I've done all the kind of preventive main, you know, I know it's nothing's terrible, terribly wrong, but once I know that all the uh, kind of preventive stuff is being done, everything's oiled and you know, or wiped down, checked fluid levels, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I would uh, go check on the status of my 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 personal things and make sure that none of them have been moved. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like the ship has undergone any particular major uh, being bashed around or having to make fast uh, changes in its vectors. Awesome. And so... Uh, all of your stuff seems to be undisturbed. Is there one in particular that you pick up that you mess with in any way? Um, sure. Yeah, there's one that I've been working on. I'm trying to make one with a, a universal comb. Uh, music boxes have combs that are tuned specifically to the tune uh, that they are supposed to pluck out. And I'm trying to make a comb that's uh, able to be sw- swapped out between uh, music boxes. So I've got one disassembled kind of in in parts in little boxes like a uh what are those pill boxes that have like the days of the week on it but for like little tiny music box parts do you listen to the music boxes or do you just like putting them together and taking them apart i listen to them to listen for inconsistencies and see if i've done anything incorrectly or if there i think there can be improvement i've often played with like the timing i don't remember what it's called but the timing thing that helps it to not just like spin too fast you know, and tried to see if I can modify how that functions and get it to speed up and slow down. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to them. We'll leave patients examining their music boxes and we'll go to the cargo hold, a much more spacious area than uh, the engine room or even the living quarters of the Pescado Malo. This is a salvage ship. And it is designed to be able to bring on board a lot of salvage, as well as tow whole ships or even refineries if needed. And so this is uh, probably the largest open space on the ship. Uh, Yet there is a lot of stuff down here at the moment, as Lars was aware that uh, things would need to be moved around. What is occupying the interior of the... Pescado Malo's cargo hold. Either one of you have any thoughts on that? How about colony supplies? You know, like, and not just food and water, but more like equipment that 
a, a colony would you know would need fabricators uh industrials type equipment large stuff but yeah. not stuff that would be like being towed from a salvage job so so yeah so big machinery and and a lot of big wheels um, yeah that bulk in the darkness because the lighting here is bad just very dim lighting from flickering bulbs here and there you see Lars driving this uh, uh, tow truck and uh, he's just uh, just kind of like moving things back and forth on pallets and just trying to to, to get some of the, the smaller goods uh, from one side over to the other to make some m- room now, Bosco, I believe, if I remember correctly, you have a beef a bit with Lars. Um, so what do you do when you come down into the cargo bay? So Lars is like, he's busy moving stuff around. Like he's, he's, he's working, putting in a lot of effort. So uh, Bosco kind of doesn't. Like Bosco's not working, but he's clearly phoning it in. You know, he, he's trying to do some stuff, but he's letting Lars do the majority of the, of the work here. And even taunting him a little bit as he's going on and saying, you sure that's where that case goes? I don't think that's where that one goes. You might want to double check, make sure that one, you know what? Uh, I think you can get that one in the wrong order. Don't forget, it says they're on the side. Uh, it goes on top. You, get, you can't put that on the bottom of a stack like that. Lars also has a, he's got uh, one of them calm tablets in his hand where he's marking everything. He's got everything mapped out. And he's trying to keep specific orders by how they release, and this is this is how we're going to get them out. Uh, what's near the end of the cargo bay goes first, and what we're we're keeping for a, a later delivery is back here at the end. Mm, you better double check. I think some of them crates might be mismarked. You, you, you want to look at the tablet? And and I just throw it at him and then turn away and then start driving the, the forklift off. <laughs> uh, Bosco looks almost a little pleased with himself that maybe he got under Larson's skin just a little bit. So pleased that he's going to step off the side and get himself a refreshing beverage to drink for a moment. Watching Larson work really worked up a thirst. <laughs> Eventually, the captain comes over the intercom system and goes... Well, I I hope we're all in good shape because uh, we are coming up on this thing. I need uh, those of you rated for um, salvage ops to uh, get your asses down to the cargo hold, and uh, uh, we need to set up the recovery. So, who is rated for that sort of thing? <laughs> Probably all of us, right? It's not like a huge crew. I'm going to assume Bosco is. He's basically a mechanic. Uh, well, this is probably going to come off of a skill set somewhere, so let's see what we've got. Heavy machinery. Yeah, I got lots of that. Yeah, heavy machinery and com tech. Uh, yep. I mean, the heavy machinery, either one of those is going to be able to do it because uh, the com tech would just be operating the, the system. That's ours yeah. l- l- specialty. I also, shockingly, have quite a good com tech score. And presumably engineering. Yeah. I've got a little bit of heavy machinery, but it's not like my specialty. I'm the opposite. I have a little bit of comm tech, but I got a lot of heavy machinery. The three of you gather in the uh, cargo bay. Who's going to do what here? Uh, the things required for this, and of course, an op- any operation in space is is tricky. Uh, you're going to be counting on the captain, of course, to pilot you in uh, to the best 
uh, location to grab this thing. But you're not going to be able to just stop. You're going to have to catch it, essentially, as you go by. And uh, there is a, a salvage arm on, on the ship. But then also the cargo bay doors need to be operated. Uh, something's going to have to be there to, to capture and move it as soon as you get it into the cargo bay. Uh, of course, you've already been working uh, Bosco and Lars, mostly Lars, for uh, the better part of an hour to uh, secure things uh, because uh, there is, though there is an airlock system, the way that uh, salvage works, bringing it onto the ship itself, uh, you're going to have to open the cargo bay to space. So do we need to be in, in suits? I've already suits. got the suits wrapped. You need to either be in suits or you need to be in the control room, which sort of overlooks the uh, cargo bay, and it's where the uh, the comm stuff is. Can can handle the the retrieval arm, Bosco? Uh, does Bosco feel like that's a heavy machinery type skill based? That thing? is. That is definitely heavy machinery, augmented by aid from whoever's running ComTech. I guess I'll run ComTech, because that's me. I'm good at that. And Bosco will run the, uh, the salvage arm. And then that leaves the, the tractor uh, for Lars. Yeah. And do we have those like cool like power loader things that they had? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I would imagine... We have to change them slightly for copyright reasons, but... Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> they look more like Decepticons. Oh, wait, that's worse. <laughs> um, they all transform into 80s boomboxes. <laughs> we awesome. have to hold them above our head. I want all of the cassettes. Awesome. I love the cassettes. So, basically, uh, Lars would get in, into one of the power loaders and be prepared at the door to guide anything that uh, seems to go wrong. Patience hops up the stairs to the control room. Is that is that sealed? Would I need to be protected from vacuum in that? It is sealed, as long as you don't have any phobias about there only being a, a pain of uh, triple rather than quadruple. Uh, glass steel between you and <laughs> and uh, a lack of oxygen, then <laughs> it'd be all right. Nah, goodness knows I've done this enough times. Uh, but yeah, the the door of that of the of the control room there, which does also control a series of uh, grapple arms and such that hang down from the uh, roof of this room. That can be used oh. to move around uh, some larger equipment, too. But uh, that's only once it's inside. Gotcha. So you essentially have control there. You can aid with targeting on the mm-hmm. on the arm and also with the timing of opening the door and running purge and refill on uh, oxygen levels. Yeah, I'll do that. All right, great. Uh, this is a tricky maneuver, and I mean, you might wind up not getting this uh, salvage. So we will have some rolls here. Um, the captain says over the intercom, "All right, we are uh, coming into range. Is everybody back there ready? Yeah, ready. Good to go. I've got to slow down as much as I can. Our window is five. 
then you in the control room patients can see a screen uh, flickers into green and black life showing a marker where the cryo chamber is and also uh, you have the controls up already for the what you need to be dealing with as far as the salvage arm goes Awesome. Uh, you are kind of in the that position there. Now, for helping out somebody, which is what you're going to be doing with uh, Bosco, to help, I'm going to allow you to be using your ComTech to help his heavy machinery. Okay. Ha, ha, have you already purchased the, the, the oxygen in, in the bay? Not yet. It's at that moment that Bosco uh, realizes he hadn't clipped his safety harness in yet, so you just kind of see him nonchalantly... Grab that carabiner and go, clip! Yeah, you are essentially hanging on the wall, but your feet are on the ground, but but you're, you know, if you lose uh, gravity, all you've got is that connection to the wall there. And the manual controls for the uh, salvage arm is essentially a big turret that's on the inside, just to the right of the cargo doors themselves. And it's just this big bulky thing that you stand in and operate the um, essentially a, a, the grabby claw things like you would find in those <laughs> arcade devices. <laughs> it's really that uh, mundane and that simple, <laughs> at least like on a, your end. Like a claw machine. <laughs> and your connections, your cables uh, go to a wall over. But you know that the turret will actually spin because the uh, salvage arm is on the top of the ship and it will spin the same way that the turret here is spinning. And in my mind, since the aesthetic is a little more like the original movie Alien, this probably looks just like an old school Atari controller. Heck yeah. (laughs) The claw. So this is sort of, uh, so giving help uh, patients is just, uh, is this you give a plus one die to Oh, okay. Do I have to roll for it? I don't believe so. To give so. him help? Okay. Okay, cool. The, so there's that part, but um, Com, uh, ComTech's going to have to, uh, again, be emptying the oxygen at the right time, uh, mm-hmm. putting it back into the storage tanks, because you don't just vent that stuff out into space. And so that takes a, a few minutes to do that. So making sure that timing's all right, go ahead and roll your ComTech. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, you know, checking all my my screens and making sure that uh you know everything's green lit checking seals checking readouts comtech i have uh, two successes wow that's a that's a you got a stunt now ooh a comtech stunt that's so exciting if 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 i picked the stunt get a plus 1 modification to a later skill roll relating to this one can you like do that for somebody else like you can plus one forward to another hunter in monster of the week or is that just for yourself i would say that the intent is for it to just be for yourself uh okay. i would say that for us if it makes sense uh i don't have a i, I think that sounds like a pretty kind of cool uh, yeah. house rule yeah i will pick that one okay. plus one modification to a later skill roll that's related to this one which is just Okay. It actually makes a lot of sense in this case because that's going to give Bosco then a uh, whatever, Bosco, whatever your heavy machinery is, plus one for the help, and then plus one 
forward. Yeah. Essentially. So we can make the rules even more complicated. <laughs> so she'll be giving me a plus two altogether? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Yeah, so you're getting on your screens, as basic as they are, Bosco, you are getting the presence of the target outside. I'm rattling off one of these, like, seals are, go, and oxygen is venting. You know, I'm, like, running narration of uh, checking off that everything's in place. Uh, and you see Bosco, he's kind of standing there with a little cocky look on his face. He's cracking his neck from side to side. He you know, does the thing where he puts his, uh, interlaces his fingers and turns them inside out and cracks his knuckles. Here we go. Here we go. And at the right moment, he reaches out, grabs the controller, and... At that same moment, the cargo door, uh, cargo bay doors begin to open. Because Lars has been very methodical and and following everything patience is trying to say and, and hits the, the, the d- 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 door at just the right moment. Uh, by the way, that is all of the dark dice in the set. <laughs> Good Total <Lord>. of 10 <laughs> dice. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bosco's good at this stuff, but that is three successes. I was going to say zero successes. Hubris, my friend. Hubris. (laughs) (laughs) That happens to Bosco from time to time, so it's a risk we take. (laughs) But he did get three successes. Uh, So you get some stunts there if you feel like you need them. Uh, Actually, he's going to go ahead and use the stunts, but not to do anything particular other than make it look good. Just make it look smooth as can be. Yeah, it is smooth. On the on your screens, patients, you you've got outside visuals now uh with the uh external cameras. You see it's not just a cryo chamber. It is part of a ship, but it's only part of a ship. The rest of it has been like just ripped away. So it's it's essentially part of perhaps the medical bay of a ship. Um, but there is a, a wall, uh, there is a floor, part of a ceiling, and then the majority of three walls are gone, and there is a cryo chamber that is still holding on, looking like it's barely bolted to the floor, but it's not one of the primaries like what you guys have. This is a, this is an emergency cryo chamber. Uh, that isn't made for long term, and it also looks beat all to hell. It looks burned. It looks. I mean, you're looking at it in black and white because mm-hmm. the future doesn't have color on their security <laughs> cameras and their external cameras. But but it looks it looks burned, and you're seeing the sparking of uh, electrical lines and such out there. But then, just smooth as silk, the uh, the grapple arm. Of the Pescado Malo just comes down, all four of its claws just sort of clink very delicately around the entire thing, uh, barely even causing any crushing of the walls. Does this whole chunk of part of a med bay look as if it is too large to fit in our cargo bay, or do I think it will fit? Oh, it will definitely fit in the cargo bay. Okay. Uh, the cargo bay is large, uh, like I, I mentioned before, because, I mean, you're you're hauling around, you know, all of this 
gear for terraforming planets and colonizing, you know, stuff. You've got mm-hmm. you've got those big earth mover things in here. There's space mm-hmm. for this. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's much larger than what you expected. Uh, but the cargo bay doors uh, will be able to be open enough as long as Lars knows to open them wide enough rather than open them only large enough to put in a yeah. person-sized cryo chamber. Okay. Well, in that pa- in that case, I would let Lars know first. Lars, we're going to need the doors all the way open in this case. Uh, the equipment we're bringing aboard is a little larger than we expected. So as, as, as soon as I get that information relayed from patients, I would immediately um, adjust uh, as necessary as they instructed. Then I'm going to call the captain and just inform him. Captain, um, this is an unusual situation and down here. We have not just a cryosleep pod, it is still bolted to the interior of what appears to be a partially destroyed med bay. Uh, yeah, thank you, patient. So I'm seeing that on my screens, too. Uh, do we see any, uh, any foresee any problems down there? I've kind of got to remain at the controls. Javier's not up here yet. Lars, this is going to directly affect you, though, because you're here expecting to catch it with a, you know, cargo loader, you know, one of the smaller ones, not one of the big forearmed beasties that <laughs> that are currently yeah. sitting over on the wall. Uh, also, you know, you can't keep the doors open too long. <laughs> yeah. So are you going to try it with the loader that you're in, or are you going to try to switch out loaders? Come on, Lars, you better do something. I got big fish on the end of this line. As long as you got that, Bosco, I can get the the, the right materials. And I'd go in and grab the larger loader then. Go ahead, Lars, and uh, roll heavy machinery again, but uh, add a stress die to this one. I get a stress die? This is a relatively stressful situation here. With a stress die. Bosco's doing everything he can to make sure Lars is stressed out as possible. (laughs) (laughs) By taunting him and... One, two, three, four successes. Dang! And one failure. Unless it was on a stress die, then. Uh, It was on a stress die. Oh, oh it no. was on a stress oh, die. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. You have to roll for panic. It doesn't matter that there were four successes then. Oh, All no. that matters is that you got a, uh, <laughs> a face hugger on your stress die. Really? Oh, dear. <laughs> on your Ooh. one stress die. Oh. No. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> All right, you need to roll. No way to re-roll a stress die, is there? No. You roll a d6 plus your stress level, which is only one, so... So two uh, d6. So you roll a d6 and then add one. Oh, okay. Oh. So don't roll a six. Okay. Uh, five plus one. Six minus, you keep it together, no effect. Do I still get my stunts, though? Uh, yes, so no effect. Oh, nice. Okay. So you you get to pull it off with no trouble. In fact, you can show off if you like. I will uh, do it quickly in, in half the time it would normally take just to just to show Bosco how how shit's done here in in, in the cargo bay. <laughs> in the cargo bay, not on the ship, just the cargo cargo bay specifically. D- damn straight that this is this is m- m- my domain. <laughs> <laughs> Watching that amazing job by Lars there, Bosco kind of exhales, says, well, hell, I guess teamwork makes the dream work. Incredibly creative, Bosco. Did you come up with that yourself? You do the pass off. 
because the way that the salvage arm is articulated, it will get it down in front of the uh, the cargo bay doors. But then Lars has to go in with the heavy loader and grab a hold of it and bring it on the rest of the way in. And Lars does that with a plume, and then the doors uh, begin to close as they are activated. Doom, 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 doom. And patience begins to fill the space with uh, oxygen again. Cool. Do we want to get the doc down here to make sure everybody's okay? I- I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Before I mean, inside the, the, the pods. <laughs> Is this an appropriate time to use an analysis role? You all get the uh, pod and its container, uh, which is a smoking hulk of metal. <laughs> not smoking anymore, but it is, uh, it is it big it and jagged and reminds you far too much of your own medbay pod for comfort. Because it is just all tangled wires and exposed pipes and ruin. The only thing that still seems to be operational is the uh, cryopod. So, yeah, if you want to, after the oxygen comes back, fills back into the uh, chamber, if you want to go down, yeah, and take a look, then do feel free. So, analysis is my scientist talent. I roll observation. Okay. All right. And it's important that you roll analysis, because one of the ways to get stress in this game is when the scientist doesn't Does analyze not roll something. analysis. <laughs> one of my dice is on the floor. I'm trying to get it. Ah, there it is. Okay. Well, folks, I rolled zero successes, and I think that's not good. Sorry, Jesse. A failed roll increases other PCs' uh, stress levels. I was afraid of that. <laughs> Patience, you come down and the the shape of the machinery here the status that it's the state that it's all in just horrifies you <laughs> and uh Ugh. you none of the readouts are saying what they're supposed to the pod itself is like caked over with ice and covered in in soot where it isn't caked with ice uh, there's some parts glowing that shouldn't be and other parts that should be glowing aren't, and it's just it's just a mess. And you just, I mean, without much longer period of time uh, mm-hmm. examining this thing, you got you got so much nothing. <laughs> oh, you poor tangly wires! Seeing this, I mean, you both know that patience is very good with machinery. Being the engineer of the ship has to be, but almost magical with it sometimes. And here they are, just. A little freaked out, maybe. <laughs> Just staring at it in complete befuddlement with nowhere to go. And at about that time, uh, the doc comes in and goes, what do we got? One of them. It's it's a pod. And with that, some of the ice breaks and cracks off, sliding off the pod. Is there any um, pro- protocol for qu- quarantining this doc? Uh, yeah. But we didn't do it. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't do it. <laughs> we have a scene, though, of the captain. He has unlocked all of the security measures required 
to get to the secret heart of the ship's computer. And there, in a circular chamber lit by yellow light and blinking bulbs, he switches on a terminal, brings down a keyboard, and accesses Mother. And he switches it over to audio and pulls down a mic closer to his face and says, uh, Mother, mm, I'm showing that uh, uh, you have diverted to this location, uh, but that you diverted before the object was actually registering on any of our sensors. And Mother replies, That is correct, Captain Franks. Directive 66L has been initiated. Collect the object and proceed to the Sojourner Lab Station Wednesday immediately. All other concerns are secondary. Safety of the crew is not priority. Quarantine procedures are not priority. The Gothic Podcast is a humor and horror actual play podcast produced by C. Patrick Nagel, starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery LaFournaise, Jesse Baldwin, and Richard Southard. Season 3 of The Gothic Podcast uses rules from the Alien RPG, produced by Free League Publishing and Monster of the Week, written by Michael Sands and published by Evil Hat Productions. Theme music is by Zoe Hovland and original artwork by Jared George Art. If you enjoy The Gothic Podcast, please like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Visit our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds, and check out our Patreon page. Thanks! Hello, is it me you're looking for?